Well, good morning. I am so glad to see you here. This is, uh, summer is here, and uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a mixed blessing for a pastor because, you know, people go on vacation and they're gone and, and crowds get a little bit down, and yet uh, I'm reminded even though some people are not here, God is here, right? God's here. And you're here, and I'm glad that you're here. I want to welcome those who are watching us at our Mill Creek campus, those who are watching online. We are actually one church. We have two locations. One is here at Sugarloaf, one's at Mill Creek, about 20 minutes, 20 miles north of us. And uh, if you're watching on computer, you really need to check us out personally and see what God is doing here in our church. Um, I don't say this too often because I'm always excited about what I preach, but I don't know that I've been more excited in a long time about uh, what we're about to do beginning today because I'm going to preach a series on a topic I've never preached on before. I've preached on this topic here and there, but I've never devoted an entire series. As a matter of fact, it's really going to be almost, it's going to be an eight-week series over the summer. But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about, um, uh, how many of you, by the way, just out of curiosity, there's a cool website on the internet. It's called, it's called BuzzFeed. How many of you know about BuzzFeed? Anybody? Many of you? Okay. Can I be honest with you? If you're on the internet, you know about it. You just don't know that you know about it. Okay? Because uh, if you use the internet, you most likely viewed an article or, or a video from the BuzzFeed, whether you realized it or not. Now, the website has a whopping six billion monthly page views. That's billion with a B. And one of the reasons for BuzzFeed's popularity stems from the massive amount of lists that they compile. So on the site, you'll find articles like 11 signs the future will be cooler, uh, eight important life lessons you can learn from cats, um, 13 pictures of children that will make you laugh till you cry. And what the BuzzFeed phenomenon has showed us is, is that people love lists. They love lists of things. As a matter of fact, we don't just love lists. You know the kind of list we really love? We love top 10 lists. And I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those people that, that do. Well, in an article that was published by the Journal of Consumer Research, they've shown that for some reason, we're drawn to top 10 lists, to a list of 10. I'll give you an example. Many of you know, and if you don't, you need to know this. I'm a big college football fan. Many of you know this. If you don't, you need to know this. I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan, okay? So when, whenever the preseason ranking comes out, if you're, if you're a football fan, you're always looking for your team to be in the top what? Ten. That's right. That's what we look. Eleven doesn't count. Fifteen's not worth spit, right? You're wanting a top ten team. You want to know that your team is starting out in the top ten. If you show a people a list of top 10 things, there's something else you'll find interesting. If you show people a list of top 10 things, they will always remember, almost without exception, two of those on that list every single time. They'll remember two. Which ones do you think they'll remember? The first one and what? That's right. They'll remember who's number one, and they'll remember who is number 10. Now, there's even a name for this phenomenon. It's called the top 10 effect. Now, before I get into this list, let me just remind you uh, that, well, I just, I was going to remind you of something. They just told me not to remind you, so I'm not going to remind you. Okay, so <laughs> I'm real smooth. Okay, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I want to throw up a list of the top 10 deadliest diseases in the world, not just ordinary diseases. These are the top 10 deadliest, most, I mean, most fatal, I mean, they'll kill you diseases in the world. So you might just want to do a little thinking and, and just see how many of these you might come up with, all right? The first one I'm sure most of us know is cancer, right? Anybody would, would, would know that. 
The second one is AIDS. Third one, Ebola. The fourth one, rabies. Fifth one, ALS, or what's known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Sixth one, Alzheimer's. Seventh one, this is one I didn't know about, fatal insomnia. People get that in church sometimes listening to people like me, okay? <laughs> fatal insomnia. Number eight, diabetes. Number nine, cholera. And number 10, malaria. Now, I'll tell you why I throw those uh, up on the screen. Every one of those diseases have one thing in common. If you'll think about it, there's a common thread running through all of those. And that is the way these diseases kill people is on the inside of the body. It's not because of anything on the outside of the body. It's not because of anything external. It's because of what goes on on the inside of the body. That's why if, if you go to a doctor and you say to that doctor, I want you to really, I want, I want you to study me from head to toe. I really want to know how healthy I am. Then here's what he will tell you. He'll say, if you really want me to, 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 to know that and you really want me to examine that, there's only, there's, there's two things that we've got to do. Number one, I've got to take your blood. And number two, we've got to do x-rays, CAT scans, and MRIs. Now, why does he want to do an x-ray and MRIs and CAT scans? Because they show what's going on on the inside of the body. Because we know that's where every major deadly disease does its work. In other words, it really is what's on inside of you that counts. It's not what's on, outside, on the outside of you. In more ways than one, it's what's on the inside of you. And that's not just true physically. That is also true spiritually. It's not just true of your body. It's true of your soul. So with all of that as a backdrop, that's why we're going to explore this thought in a series of messages that we're calling Holy Who. And, and, and what, what we're going to do is, is I believe, frankly, and this is why I'm so excited about it, it's going to be a fascinating study that you don't want to miss unless you happen to be out of town on what is the, who is by far away the most neglected person in what we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and by far and away, the one that kind of gets left out, the one that kind of stays in the shadows, the one that kind of gets stuck on the shelf is the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say, well, I, I don't even believe in Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I, I don't know that I really would be interested in, in hearing what you've got to say about the Holy Spirit. Before you check out on me, let me just kind of say this to you. You really ought to be vitally interested in this series, and you ought to really want to be a part of this series, whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, for this reason. You cannot become a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. But after you become a Christian... You can't even be the Christian God wants you to be apart from the Holy Spirit. So whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a believer or not, whether you know Jesus or you don't, you need the Holy Spirit. As we're going to learn later on in this series, that you're going to find this out. It doesn't matter how great my messages are. It doesn't matter how funny I am, how persuasive I am, how interesting I am, how much you're really plugging in. It doesn't matter what nerve I push. It doesn't matter what button I hit in your life. Unless the Spirit of God does a work on you, you'll never, you'll never come to Jesus Christ. On the other hand, I don't care how much you say you love Jesus. You can try as hard as you want to try. You can do everything you know to do. But apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot live the Christian life. You cannot be the Christian that God wants you to be and that you want to be apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I have found, and I've pastored five churches, so I've been around the block and I, I found basically two problems that almost all of us, and I'll, I'm in this same boat with you. 
There are two problems I have found that many or most Christians have with the Holy Spirit. One I've already alluded to. On the one hand, we really underappreciate the Holy Spirit. I don't believe the average believer understands just how important the Holy Spirit is to just what we're doing right now, what we've been doing for the last 40, 40 minutes in our church. We don't really realize how important the Holy Spirit is to us every time we get out of bed individually. We don't even understand how important the Holy Spirit is to our nation or even to our world. So we really underappreciate the Holy Spirit. And then on the other hand, we underappropriate the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm not being negative. I'm not trying to sound depressing. I'm really not. I'm just telling you my experience. And so I just want to ask you if maybe you fall in this category. When I am around the average Christian, I'm not talking about the best one or the worst one. When I am around the average Christian, here's what I have found. Too many Christians, at least people who say they're Christians, too many Christians live more in defeat than they do in victory. Too many Christians walk in fear more than they walk in faith. Too many Christians, too many believers live in the weakness of the flesh rather than living in the strength of the greatest power on planet earth. Now, I just want to ask you, I just want you to be honest with yourself. I mean, really honest. Just be honest. If you're a believer, you say you love Jesus, know Jesus Christ is in your heart. I want you to be very honest. Would you recommend the Christian life that you're living to every other Christian you know? Or, or would, you, would you say, no, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm hitting on all eight cylinders almost, you know, most of the time and all the time. You say, oh, that's impossible. No, it's not. Would you say that you, on average, would you say that you live more in fear or more in faith? Would you, would you say you win more battles with your flesh or less battles with your flesh? You know, would you say that you live more on the mountaintop of victory? Do you live more in the valley of defeat. Now, if you think I'm kind of overhyping all this, and if you think I'm really sensationalizing this, let me show you one of the most amazing things that Jesus ever said. But before I show you what he said, you've got to understand the timing of what he said and the situation he was dealing with. So if you brought a copy of God's Word or you're an electronic person, you're a digital person, you're trying to be cool, and you've got the iPad and the iPhone and the Android and the, this, you know, the, 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 this droid and that droid and this void and that void, whatever you've got, I want you to turn to the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, and I want you to turn to John chapter 14. If you don't know where that is, we're going to throw some verses up on the screen. But there's four Gospels are in the middle of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. Now, let me tell you kind of what's going on here. For three years, Jesus had lived, has lived 24-7 with his disciples. You remember his name was Emmanuel? Do you remember what the name Emmanuel means? What does it mean? God with us. Well, he had been God with them 24-7. Every day, Sunday through Saturday, for 52 weeks, three years, he's, they have been walking with God and talking with God and listening to God. They didn't totally get that. I want you to understand, though they didn't realize it, they really were with God. Now they're in the upper room. They have just taken communion. And now they're experiencing this spiritual gut check. And let me tell you why. Because keep in mind, for three years, they were absolutely convinced Jesus was the Messiah. 
Jesus was the great Jewish hope. He was going to come. He was going to take over the world. They were going to be charter members in the kingdom. He was finally going to overthrow that wicked Roman empire. He was going to restore Israel to its rightful place. They were going to sit on the thrones, and they were going to uh, uh, rule over the world with him, and they were going to live happily ever after. That's what they thought as they're sitting in that upper room. Now they're in the upper room, and they get this bad wake-up call. Their dreams are about to go up in smoke. Their hopes are about to be dashed and their world is about to be turned upside down because everything all of a sudden had gone totally wrong. Judas had just left to betray Jesus. Peter had just been told he would soon deny Jesus. And worst of all, Jesus has just told them, I'm not only going to go and die, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be physically with you anymore. But Lord, we've been with you three years. Yep, three years are up. I'm leaving. Where I'm going, you can't go with me, not right now. So you're you're one of those disciples. How would you be feeling? You're discouraged. You're disillusioned. You're discouraged. You're depressed. You're afraid. And you're confused. And then Jesus, now buckle your seatbelt. Then Jesus makes this amazing assertion, and it's one of the most incredible things he had ever said to his disciples in the three years he'd been with them. John uh, uh, John, uh, 16, verse 7. Listen to this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For for if if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, that is so important, and it's so big that you don't miss it. Let me read it to you one more time. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going, I'm leaving. You're not going to be with me physically anymore. I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. That word advantage means, it's a business term that means to your biggest profit, to your biggest gain. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, are you catching what Jesus just said to them? He just said to them that the Holy Spirit is going to be so important, that the Holy Spirit is going to be such a big deal to you and to me that it's actually going to be to your advantage and our advantage that I physically leave you so the Spirit could come and live inside of you. In other words, let me put it to you in a much more simple way. And this is unbelievable that Jesus would say this. Jesus was basically saying, you're going to be better off having the Holy Spirit inside of you than to have me right beside you. Now think about that. You're going to be better off. I've been right beside you for three years. You ain't seen nothing yet, boys. You're going to be better off having the Holy Spirit inside of you than having me beside you. And I know they're going, okay, how's that going to work out for us? Can you please tell me why? Now, what Jesus is about to, to tell the disciples is not completely new. Because the disciples, being Jewish, They were familiar with the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament, but he was primarily in the Old Testament as a power. But now Jesus gives the inside scoop, and he says, guys, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit you've been reading about in the Old Testament, he's not just a power. He is a person, just like me. 
just like my heavenly father. He is a person. And what Jesus says to these disciples is both so radical and it is so revolutionary in how they understand God and how we are to have understand how to, we are to understand God. So I want to just answer the question today. Pastor, can you tell me why we are better off today with Jesus with the spirit inside of us than we would have been 2000 years ago with Jesus? beside us. Jesus is okay. Let me give you three reasons why. Ready? You write these down. Number one, we have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what Jesus says, John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, here's what Jesus said. He said, guys, look, here's the bad news and the good news. The bad news is I'm leaving you. Here's the good news. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to desert you. I'm leaving, but I'm not deserting you. Then he says to them, I'm going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you another helper. Now, that word another is very, 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 very important. Let me tell you why. We only have one word for another in the English language. You know what that word is? Another. All right, come on, help me here. Work with me, all right? We've got one word for another. That's another, right? The Greek language has two words for another, and they're totally different in meaning. One word means another of a different kind. That is not the word Jesus uses here. The word that Jesus uses here is a word that means another of the same kind. In other words, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, guys, I'm leaving you, but. I'm going to send someone to you who is just like me. And here's what's going to be so great. He's not just going to be with you when you're with him. He's not going to be just beside you. He's going to be inside of you. Now, that tells us that the Holy Spirit is a very distinct person. Jesus is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I used to make this mistake back early in my ministry, and it, now it grates on my nerves to hear people do it, so please don't do it because it really irritates me. Don't call the Holy Spirit an it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. As a matter of fact, John goes out of his way to emphasize the personality of the Holy Spirit because he keeps using all these masculine pronouns to refer to the Spirit. In other words, just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not a ghost. He's not a force. He's not an influence. He is a real person and a Christian. Now, this is important. A Christian is someone who has a personal relationship, not just with God the Father, not just with God the Son, but with God the Holy Spirit. Too often today, see, we, when we think about the Holy Spirit, what do we think about? Let's just be honest. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, we think about power. We think about might. We, strength, we think about strength. We think about influence. Now, let me just let me make something plain. Yes, there is such a thing as spiritual power. But when we think of spiritual power, we, can, we tend to think of spiritual power like we think of electrical power or like we think of uh, nuclear power or like we think about solar power, you know, something you can tap into. It's not personal. It's not a person you relate to. It's kind of a power and a force that you use. And what Jesus is telling the disciples is, hey, guys, look, the Holy Spirit is more than protons and neutrons and electrons. He is a real person. 
He has feelings. We're going to learn this later in this series. He has feelings. He has emotions. He wants to talk to you like I want to talk to you. He wants to converse with you like I converse with you. He is a real person, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Now, you'll notice here that he's called an advocate. That's also kind of an important word. The Greek word there is a word you've probably heard before. It's the word paraclete, all right? Paraclete, that word is only used twice in the New Testament. In the ancient world, it could be used either for a lawyer who would defend you in court or a witness who would come and testify in your defense, or it might be just somebody called alongside to help. Not trying to get too technical, but the word paraclete comes from the word para, which means beside. What is a paralegal? A paralegal is someone who works alongside an attorney. So the word para means alongside. The word kaleo means, means to call. So it means someone called alongside to help. But the point is that word always referred to a person. It didn't refer to a thing or to a force or to a power. As a matter of fact, Jesus goes on to say this, and this was really mind-boggling to them. He goes on to say in verse 17, you know him. You, you know him. You see, a Christian is not just someone that has the Holy Spirit or even knows about the Holy Spirit. A Christian is someone who knows the Holy Spirit. A Christian is someone who's on speaking terms with the Holy Spirit. A Christian is someone who understands the Holy Spirit's not just a great power. He is a best friend. He is someone I can talk to. He's someone that wants to talk to me. I get up every morning. I got up, same thing I've done. I don't know how many years I've done this. Let me tell you the first thing I say. All right, I don't know what you say when you get up in the morning. Uh, you know, somebody, you know, some of you may say, good morning, Lord, and somebody may say, Lord, it's morning, right? But when I get up, this is what I say. I say it before I get out of bed. I, I, I just, it's first thing on my mind. I say, Heavenly Father, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. I, I'm on speaking terms with all the Trinity, okay? I know them, and, and, and they, they know me, and I love them, and they love me. I talk to all of them. Now, this teaching, what he just said to them, was unbelievably astonishing to the disciples because when you read the Old Testament, you don't see this part of the Holy Spirit. When you read the, when you read the Old Testament, here's what you'll find. Almost without exception, the Holy Spirit would come down as a power in the Old Testament to be used in a battle or to be used in a contest or something like that and to be used for God's glory. Now that Jesus comes along and says, hey guys, the Holy Spirit's not just a power. He's a person that you can know that can be known, a person that can be loved, and a person you can love. So we have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus goes deeper. He says we have a permanent relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not just personal. We have a permanent relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now listen again to what he says in verse 16. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. What's the word? Say it loud. Forever. He will be with you forever. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, look, guys, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life as a believer, he takes up permanent residence. Again, big difference. You go to the Old Testament. What does the Holy Spirit do? What, 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 I'm sure you know this. Well, he would come, then he'd go. 
He would come, he'd go. He'd come kind of do his thing, and then he'd be gone. Jesus said, hey, guys, when I leave, everything changes. The Holy Spirit is no longer going to come and go. The Holy Spirit is going to come and stay. Now, here's the difference. When Jesus Christ came to planet Earth as a man, he came to do three things. He came to live, he came to die, and he came to leave. This world was not his home. That's why he didn't stay. He came to live, he came to die, he came to leave. So he can only be with the disciples for a little while. But he says, guys, when the Holy Spirit comes, he ain't leaving. Bad grammar, good theology. He is never leaving. See, here's what I want you to understand. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and you've got the Holy Spirit, you cannot lose the Holy Spirit. You cannot shake the Holy Spirit. You can't get rid of the Holy Spirit. Your body's not a hotel with check, you know, check out time at 12 o'clock on Sunday when church is over. Your body is a temple where the Spirit of God resides every moment, every day. And this is what the Holy Spirit gives every one of us. On the one hand, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life for the world that we're in right now. And then on the other hand, he gives us eternal life for the world that is to come. So he's with you today, he's with you tomorrow, and he is with you forever. Now, I want you to think this through. Let me tell you why this is so very, very, very important. Because we all go through those times in life. I do, you do. And maybe you're in this stage in your life right now, and you just feel like, boy, God, if you're out there, you're a, you're a trillion miles away. I don't feel you in my life. I don't sense you in my life. I'm finding it so hard right now to even believe you even know who I am or care about what's going on in my life. When you ever have that feeling, I want you to remember this. Whenever you really feel like, boy, God's just so far away, it may very well be because you don't really know where God is. Because through the Holy Spirit, God lives in you, and he lives in you permanently. And that's why you need to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life every moment of every second of every minute of every day. And let me get to tell you practically why this, how this works out. There's a prayer that you've prayed a ton of times in your life. You know how I know it? Because I prayed it a ton of times in my life and still do. And I, I've tried to stop it, but I still do. And, 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 and in fact, it may be the single most prayed prayer, Christians pray almost on a daily basis. And when I got to really understanding the doctrine and the teaching of the Holy Spirit and what this really means, I realized this is such a redundant prayer, if not kind of an inaccurate prayer. Now, let me tell you what I mean. How many times have you even have you prayed in your life or do you pray something like this? God, would you please be with me today? God, would you please be with me as I'm, as I'm about to get on this airplane? God, would you please be with me as I go into this job interview? God, would you please be with me as I go keep this doctor's appointment? Would you please be with me as I go there? Would you please be with me as I do this? Now, here's what I want you to think about. Why would you pray for someone to be with you who is always with you on a 24-7 basis who said, I'm going to be with you forever and you can't get rid of me? I mean, can you imagine uh, when I get home this afternoon after church and, you know, and Teresa and I drive separately, I want you to imagine Teresa beats me home and I walk in the door and she says, hey, honey, how are you? And I said, honey, would you be with me? <laughs> what? Just please be with me. I am with you. I know, but would you be with me? 
All right, she, she would know then, okay, it's time for the white cloth and the doctors, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you, you've got a problem. Why would you ask somebody to come into your house who's already in your house and who never leaves and never will? So when you pray, I just want you to remember this. Every time you say, Lord, please be with me, you know what he's saying? I already am. I can't be with you any more than I am right now. I am here because once the Holy Spirit moves in, he never moves out. Listen, he doesn't come to rent. He comes to buy and he comes to own. He doesn't come to rent. He comes to buy and he comes to own. That means the Holy Spirit, according to what Jesus said, will never, ever, ever leave you. Wherever you go, you take the Holy Spirit with you. You know, there's a famous credit card. You know the credit card I'm talking about, famous advertisement. Don't leave home without it. You remember, you know the credit card I'm talking about. Well, the Holy Spirit says, you can't leave home without me. You can't go anywhere without me. You can't get on a plane without me. You can't get in a car without me. You can't go to the doctor without me. You can't go to a job interview without me. You can't get married without me because you are my home permanently. So we have a present relationship with a personal relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and we have a permanent relationship with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said it's even better than that. We not only have a, a personal relationship and a permanent relationship, he said we have a present relationship with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus goes on to say this. He calls him the Spirit of truth and he says, now watch this. He says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Not just with you, in you. Now, watch this. You look out at the world. You're driving to work. You're in a grocery store. You're at a football game. You're at a party. You know, wherever you might be. And on the outside, people generally look the same right? I mean, pretty much look the same. We have the kind of the same body parts. We talk, we walk, we converse, we see, we hear. And on the outside, you kind of are lulled into thinking, well, we're just all kind of the same. You know, people, at least on the outside, people, you know, we're just kind of all the same. We're just, people are just people. But remember what I said to you at the beginning of the message, it's not what's on the outside that counts, it's what's on the inside that counts. Jesus said, when you go to the grocery store, you go to a football game, or you even come to a church, or you go to a concert, or you go to a school, or wherever you might be with people, you go through your neighborhood, Jesus said, everybody may look like the same on the outside, but in reality, there are only two kinds of people at the football game, and there are only two kinds of people at the concert, and there are only two kinds of people that live in your neighborhood, and there are only two kinds of people that you work with. And that is, the difference is, the Holy Spirit. So, I want you right now, I want to throw some questions up on the screen, and I'd like for every one of you to ask this, these questions right now and be honest with yourself. No need to lie about it, okay? I want you to ask some questions right now. They're really simple, but then it's going to drive home the point of what I'm trying to get you to understand. Here's the first question. Have I received the Holy Spirit? Either you have or you haven't. It's not a hard question. Yes or no? You may say, well, I don't know. That may very well be a no, okay? Have you received the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's the second one. Do I know the Holy Spirit? I mean, been, you, can, you can say you've received, but do you really know the Holy Spirit? Third question. 
am I certain, certain that the Holy Spirit is in me? Now, I want to keep those up there, guys, for just a minute. I want you to really think those through. Let me tell you why. This is going to make some of you uncomfortable. That's okay. That's not what I'm doing. That's what the Spirit of God's doing. That's fine. There's a reason why, and, and hopefully this, this will turn the light on, maybe for some unbelievers that are watching this or here today. There is a reason why that there are a lot of people who say they're Christians and they talk the Christian language and they may even attend a Christian church, but they really don't show any evidence of being a Christian. Not on the, I mean, you know, on the outside, they kind of go through the motions, you know, and they may bring a Bible to church and, and they may, you know, they may, you know, work in the church or whatever. But really and truly, when you examine their life, there really isn't any difference between them and an unbeliever. As a matter of fact, unbelievers have a favorite term for those kind of people. It starts with an H. You know what that word is? Yeah, hypocrites. They say, you know, I, I, mean, I talked to, I, just, just the other day, I found out about a guy who won't come to our church because it's full of hypocrites. Okay, I don't know who he's talking about, but yeah, he's full of hypocrites. Well, first of all, I just want you to know, yeah, church got hypocrites. Okay, I'll just tell you that right now. I hate to tell you this, but so does your grocery store. But why is that phenomenon? Why is, it, why, why is that true? Why is it that many of you will walk out of here today, and I'm just being honest, you'll walk out of here today, and beginning when you walk out of church till you get back, if everybody was to watch the way you live your life, they wouldn't see hardly any difference between the way you live your life and an unbeliever. Why is that? Why is it that people who say they're Christians don't act like Christians? Why is it that people know all the words to say in all the right language, yet when you really examine their life, there seems to be no joy, no power, no excitement, no enthusiasm, no evangelism, no worship, no Bible study, no prayer. Why is that? I'm going to be real honest and tell you why. Because they don't know the Holy Spirit and they've never received the Holy Spirit. Because remember what I said, you cannot become a Christian without the Holy Spirit, and you cannot be the Christian you ought to be without the Holy Spirit. And the reason why the world does not know, Jesus said, now they won't know who the Holy Spirit is. The world, the reason why they don't know the Holy Spirit is, is because they don't have a spiritual antenna. God's on FM and the world's on AM. And, and, and so the spiritual signals are out there, but they aren't receiving them. And what I'm telling you is this, if you are a believer you have a present relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present in you. He's not just with you. He's not just for you. He's not just beside you. He is in you. And that's another advantage we have over the disciples. You see, Jesus was with the disciples. The Holy Spirit is in us. And Jesus again said, you are better off having the Spirit inside of you than having me beside you. Let me tell you why. When Jesus was on earth, you ever, I know you've probably thought about this, but if you haven't, let me remind you. When Jesus was on planet earth, even Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Why? You say he was God. Yes, but he was also man. So he could not be in Capernaum and be at the funeral of Lazarus at the same time. He's a man. He could not be in Jerusalem and Nazareth at the same time. He could not be in Bethlehem and be in Cana at the, same at the same time. He was limited. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. He's in every believer at the same time because we're not talking about a physical relationship. We're talking about a personal, permanent, present relationship. So here's my big question now. Let's see if you've been listening. 
Do you know where God lives? Well, if you're a believer, he lives in you. God's address is not Cross Point Church, 1800 Satellite Boulevard, Duluth, Georgia. God's address is James Merritt. God's address is Richard and Carol and Jason and Gene and John. And you know what? You know why, I, you know why the Holy Spirit's so cool? He never has to change his address because he never moves out. You cannot get rid of him. Now, why is all this so important? Why does Jesus do this? Here's why. Jesus never leaves anything to chance. Jesus knew after he died on the cross and after he came back from the dead and after he went back to heaven, he knew that we, his followers, would need supernatural power to do what he wants us to do and to be what we need to be. In other words, he knew, James, if you're going to pull this Christian life deal off, you need someone just like me. You don't need that person to be beside you. You need that person to be inside of you. That's why I want you to understand why this series is such a big deal. I want to get out of your mind this idea that the Holy Spirit is just kind of an appendix to the Christian faith or the Holy Spirit is just, so, just an add-on or just a footnote. The Holy Spirit is at the heart and the core of the Christian life that God wants us to live and we need the Holy Spirit to become a Christian and we need the Holy Spirit to be the Christian that we ought to be. So I want to kind of wrap this up and tell you how this applies to my own life. I started this probably 35 years ago. I do something every time I go to preach, no matter where I am. Every time I walk up to preach, no matter where I am, I do this. I've done it every time I've walked up to preach for over 35 years. Now, my, many of you may not know it. I don't know if I've ever told you or not. And you would never know it. If you just saw me walk up to the platform, you'd never know it. And it's not my idea. I actually got this idea from the great preacher, Charles, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, because he did it first. See, I, I began to realize early on in my ministry, it didn't take me long to figure this out. I finally, you know, hit me. I, just, I don't care how much education you get. I don't care if you get a master's degree. I don't care if you got a PhD, and I got both. I don't care if you learn Hebrew and Greek, and I learned both. I don't care how many theology books you read. I read a ton of them. I realize I will be nothing and can do nothing apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I realize how dependent I am on the Holy Spirit in my life. And I realize nothing of any significance will ever happen in my life, your life, our life, this church, this nation, this world, unless it is by the power and the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. You, you clap. I realize that. I, re I, I was smart enough to realize that. So, well, I was back, went back in my office a little while when I got here early to do a little work, and, and I said it over there. I said it in my green room before I walked out here, and then as I walk up to the platform, every time I go, everywhere I go, when I walk up somewhere to preach, I'm saying something under my breath over and over and over. You wouldn't know it. You know, I don't, I don't try to move my lips. People think you're nuts. People, but Teresa says, hey, I talk to myself a lot. Teresa said to me the other day, why do you talk to yourself a lot? I said, I'm the only one that will listen to me. <laughs> but when I woke up to preach, here's what I'm saying under my breath over and over. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, just how important is the Holy Spirit? All right, you're not a believer. Let me tell you something. You cannot and you will not come to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what I say, you say, nobody says. You cannot, 
And you will not come to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit unless the Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus, unless the Holy Spirit shows you that you need Jesus, unless the Holy Spirit leads you to surrender to Jesus, you will never come to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you this, if you are a Christian, you cannot be the Christian that God wants you to be on your own, in your strength, the do-it-yourself job, in your flesh. You can only do it through the Spirit of God that is living in you. That's why this series is a big deal. And that's why I'm not hyping this when I tell you, you really do, for your spiritual sake, if you're a, if you're a parent, for the sake of your kids, you ought to be here. If you're a teenager, for the sake of your parents, you ought to be here. If you're an unbeliever, for your eternal destiny, you ought to be here. If you're a believer, for your usefulness in the kingdom of God, you need to be here. So let me just close with this. Somebody put it this way, and I love this. Let me put this up on the screen. Somebody said, it's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or Romeo and Juliet and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. It's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to go live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. If the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. And here's the good news. We can live a life just like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will live in us and Jesus will live through us. That's the inside scoop I want you to take with you in this series. Let's pray together.